it's time to raise the roof for our sixth spring training episode. We are back. It is me, Gibby. Uh, Bree is here because Evan is still on spring break. Hope that Evan's having a good time. It definitely seems like he is so far, which is a good thing. <laughs> Uh, and our special guest, who I'll introduce in just a second. We, uh, I, I mean, this is an audio podcast. You can't see it, but Gibby's wearing his um, Michigan State hat. And Michigan State is currently in the in the first four playing right now. I think they're winning pretty good. Uh, like 35-23 so. right now. Yeah, so there we go. There we go. Good but positive. That's an, now, now it's an announcer jinx, so uh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll update you guys on a podcast that's not going to be released today. What's going on <laughs> with the game that happened three days ago as this comes out. Uh, but without further ado, we're going to introduce our uh, our special guest for this episode. He is currently the main person in charge of Rays Colored Glasses, which if you guys don't know, is the fan-sided uh, Tampa Bay Rays blog, website thing, whatever you want to call it. Um, he's running social media, doing articles, all that kind of stuff. Uh, USC, I'm going to say graduate. I want to make sure that I say that right. Uh, USC graduate, meaning Southern California, not South Carolina. Sorry to people who who think that the you know the distinction between the two. Real SEC or USC. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, technically, what is it? The SEC. So you're right. But, yeah. Jimmy, uh, but Jimmy Goodman, Jimmy, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, how's it going? Certainly, you know, glad to be here. Of course, you know, definitely don't want to be mistaken for a fake USC graduate. Certainly proud of my Trojan. I will say they definitely, they definitely, definitely have it. Here. The, the the Trojans have it. I'll, I'll give it to the Trojans. It's not. It's I I call them S car because that's how I usually see them on TV. So S car S car. It's a scar on like yeah on like or like on like the old ESPN like college football stuff. And they used to be S car. So that's how that's how I refer to them. I've never heard it like that before. So I'm glad that someone else says it like that. <laughs> Uh, but without so quickly, because we did talk about this last episode, Jimmy, I don't know if you got a chance to check out Tyler Glassnow's newest pitch, who he calls a slutter. Apparently, the Pirates announcer calls it a slider that that curves to whatever. Uh, Gibby, Gibby, what did he say? Slider that that curves in towards a left-handed hitter. Yeah, that's a weird way of putting it, but you could just call it a slider. But uh, what were your opinions of the pitch? Uh, certainly, like I'm, I'm kind of excited by the idea. I mean, obviously, you know, it's it's a bit of a tired concept. The whole, you know, playoff glass now, you know, just letting up, you know, bombs left and right. So I, I mean, certainly, if we saw anything in the last playoff run, is that he probably needs to add a third pitch and for it to be a slutter, uh, because you know, I think that we need to reclaim reclaim the word here and i think that tyler glass now is a really good place to start with it and it's, I, i'm pretty excited about the development right and you know this is a team and this is a spring where trying those kind of things out you know trial and errors is is the best time to do it so it's exciting to see him as he evolves into the you know ace on this team and is going to carry hopefully you know more of an innings and games load than he has ever before try and develop that third pitch that kind of you know pitch and knock a, knock a hitter off balance that isn't expecting you know a, a 99th percentile curveball or a 99th percentile with fastball and then, yeah um he's had a lot of help with uh he's had a, a lot of help from you darvish with that one so you know it's like he's got good advice and a good teacher on that pitch so it, it, it's nasty to see and i hope it's fully developed by the time the season comes around or partially it probably won't be fully developed by the time the season. that's unrealistic but yeah. He said it's further along than he thought it would be at this point. So that's a good sign. And he's throwing it for strikes, which is huge for him. So 
looking good. Yeah, definitely, de- definitely the biggest thing on that front. But the other thing I want to talk about, I guess, main spring training news is the fact that the Rays announced their first cuts for, uh, I guess, uh, Major League Spring Training Camp. So they've they've cut the roster down in terms of guys that that might make the Major League roster. Then I think they've uh, they reassigned 19 guys. Among those, a lot of players that I think a lot of Rays fans are really excited to see coming up soon. Uh, so Shane Boz, Blake Hunt, Xavier Edwards, Greg Jones, Wander Franco, uh, Vidal Brujan, Kevin Padlow, Josh Lowe, Taylor Walls, Brennan McKay, who is still dealing with injury. But I think that they're still allowing him to hit, but he's, you know, the pitching side of his currently being worked on. Uh, Luis Patino, Brent Honeywell, Joe Ryan. And I think the one, at least for me, that was most notable was Shane McClanahan, just because of the fact that he did make his major league debut in the playoffs last year. So I wanted to get everyone's perspective and opinion on these cuts that the Rays made and if we agree or disagree with some of these cuts. So, you know, we, we have so much uh, guys on our opening uh our starting roster that our depth is just insane and that's what really what this um what all these uh call downs really uh like point out is just how much depth we have and like we have a replacement for each guy at like each position and so it's just it's just going to be a well-oiled machine i compare it to something like like how the kind of like how the patriots operate in football just kind of more on like a raised kind of concept where we just have like these squad guys who can just go in and they can produce just as well, maybe even as our starters, but we don't, we don't really know that yet. So as the season goes on, there's going to be injuries. There's going to be people move, move down and whatever. So I think a lot of those guys like McClanahan and, and uh, specifically Franco are, are like bound to like, get get some sort of start this season because i feel like that's they had they have a few months in the minors maybe and then they and then they can and then there's going to be a spot open on the team and then that's when they finally pull the trigger on those two guys so it's definitely um you want to see those guys but it's good that they're that they're holding them back and making good decisions because they realize they have so much talent and this is already a world series team and you don't want to like blow that up right away so it's 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 just it's just good all around you know you want these guys to start but still good if they're being cautious with them i'd say that like kind of a small almost silver lining of uh these kind of mascots i mean part of it is like maybe it's just my understanding of you know spring training rules and the way in which that you kind of cut down the roster but it feels a little early doesn't it kind of to be sending all these guys down so early maybe it's the concept of you know trying to sharpen the team uh you know, the focus on to the team and the players that will be there opening day. Uh, but you certainly would have wished to get a little bit more in terms of ABs from guys like Franco and Bruhan. But I think he's probably someone who's legitimately on the um, on the bubble in terms of making the opening day roster. And it's someone that I'm certainly a fan of the way he plays. So guys like that, you know, kind of still being around is definitely important. Plus, you know, we'll get actually some like interesting time to see some of these kind of like low minor or potentially like rule five kind of guys like, I don't know, like master bony is like kind of interesting, you know, he's been hitting pretty well uh, and just, you know, other kind of guys will get into the mix. Uh, so I, I would say it's more of a, a situation where, you know, it's probably good to get, you know, guys like Franco and Brujan and McClanahan on, you know, focused on starting the year in the minors and starting the year, you know, working their way towards the major league roster. Um, but, you know, it's, it's definitely tough to see those guys kind of get their springs cut short, at least in the public eye. Mm-hmm. So you say, do you think it was kind of like a message almost like, like this is what we're doing this season. Like you think like you're, like you're, you're, you're not uh, just immediately moving up these guys 
like you're gonna you're gonna take your time with them you know i i mean i think it also just helps even from that team perspective of saying like you know we have our opening day roster like in this clubhouse right we're still trying to figure out a, a couple guys here or there but like i think it it honestly helps everyone obviously a guy like McMahon and others would want to be on that opening day roster especially guys like him who's already played at the major league level especially in the playoffs but you can at least get them in a position where it's like hey like you're not going to be there april 1st but you're going to be there soon so like get ready have that kind of time and like kind of focus uh off the field is, is probably going to help them more than hurt them mm-hmm. yeah definitely uh, I, I think one thing we have to understand is that this team is so deep and they literally just went to a world series and basically like i mean most of the people are back i know we're missing those few big ones that we've talked about to death but um we filled those gaps i mean what, whether those are the same caliber or not whatever but those we we have starters. We have starting pitchers. And they want <laughs> give me your screen is killing. Um give me, they give want me, give me your screen keeps going green. I don't get the what, what the point is. It just goes green. Yeah. <laughs> it's stopped for me, but for like a good like full 60 seconds, it was green while you were talking. And I was like, wow, like he really likes Michigan State. <laughs> Can we keep that in, please? Oh yeah. God, no, trust me, we're keeping this in. I don't know why uh, the screen is green. If you want to just go to audio instead of do video, that's fine. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> He's Sorry, recorded. guys. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. Anyway. <laughs> What I was going to say is that um, Kevin Cash has said that they want Shane McClanahan to be a starter. If he was on the major league roster right now, he would not be a starter. He would be a reliever. And he'd be a very good reliever and one that we could absolutely use since we need lefties. But in the end, they would like to have him as a starter for the future because a lot of our starting pitchers are on one-year deals right now. So we're going to need, you know, guys to build themselves up in the minors so they're ready to go next year in the rotation. Yeah, and maybe one of these signings doesn't work out too well. Um, one of these yep. uh, older guys we signed in the offseason doesn't work out too well. I, I don't I don't think that will happen because I'm confident in Waka and Hill. No. Um, <laughs> not to say something else. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they, they – they, um... No, no, you're fine. I See, now, now what I want to say – so, Bree, uh, you wrote that article um, that, that we just posted on our website about uh, Franco and the comments that – the former Mariners CEO slash president said during that Rotary Club phone call where he just said literally all of the wrong things that you could say if you're someone in that position and gave the players so much ammo that they can use during CBA talks for next season, admitted to manipulating service time for Jared Kelnick, who is the top prospect for the Mariners. I wanted to get your thoughts, not, not just on Franco, but just as a generality of I mean, is is a lot of it service time or just for some of these guys like a Franco or a Patino, even though Patino pitched in the majors last year, is there more to it that they just need to have more experience, more time playing in the minors? Okay, I think service time definitely plays a role, especially for teams like the Rays that are small market. But if you look at it, like Patino is a great example. He came up last year with the Padres, late season, playoffs, whatever it was. He didn't do great. He was kind of rushed and he was thrown into an environment that he probably wasn't ready for. And that's where the raised depth comes in. Cause the, the fact is we don't need those guys right now. They're going to be great, but if we can give them more time playing games in the minors, especially after a year when they didn't have any of those actual minor league competitions, it'll, it'll only help them. And it's not hurting our major league club right now. 
I think the same is true with Franco and McClanahan and Bruhan and all of them. So while I think that the service time thing does play a role, it, I mean, we just, we don't need them right this second. So why would we bring them up in my opinion? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of, um, Jimmy, I wanted to get your thoughts on do, when do you think that some of these guys are going to get called up? Because I know that I think May 1st was a big deadline in terms of that would be like another year that a team would have control of a player. But I wanted to get your thoughts on some of these guys, maybe someone like a McClanahan or a McKay, when you think that they're going to get called up, when that possibility is going to happen at some point this season. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking between the you know pitchers and hitters, it's, it's kind of different, right? Uh, uh, I think that in the case of the hitters, it's going to be much more of injury-based replacements. Uh, whereas with the pitchers, I mean, I look at some of the guys that we have in the bullpen and at the very unproven, but a lot of them are kind of expendable. Like I like Trevor Richards' pr- profiles to me is like the ultimate raise DFA him and flip him for almost nothing. Like right when the season starts, right? Uh, sort of like, I guess that was Daniel Hudson a couple years ago, huh? in the uh, Corey Dickerson trade. But, you know, there, we have a lot of arms like that who are going to figure out or, or not figure it out this spring. And I think we'll eventually, you know, make the room that we need to for guys like, like McClanahan. But with the with the infielders, it, it's really, you know, it, it's almost like kind of how Barrasso got to start, right? He came in because of injuries ahead of him in the depth chart organizationally. And I think it would take something like that for some of these guys to come up. But I'm not entirely convinced that I know like what that pecking order is, right? Like I think that guys like Walls or Lowe uh, or others could be the ones who come up. Maybe even Xavier Edwards, who knows? But like some some guys like that might actually be ahead in the pecking order of, you know, Bruhan and Franco. Um, so that's kind of to be seen. It depends on who gets injured, when, whatnot. But I think that that's kind of more their realistic route to the, to the majors this year. Yeah, yeah, that does make a lot of sense. And I wanted to ask um, everyone on this, but in terms of, the uh, the guys that haven't been cut yet that we've seen so far in spring training. Who do we think are a few names that didn't make the team last year that could possibly make the team this year? I know, obviously, with with Brett Phillips's injury, that then leaves another roster spot available for some guy. But who do we think might be making the team? And who do we think are guys that just there's no shot that they're going to make the club, the big league club starting out the season? I don't know the whole list of who's been cut, but I mean, got to – David Hess. I mean, that poor guy. <laughs> he's just gotten absolutely wrecked. I don't think he's going to make the roster, and I feel very bad for him. But other than that, I've been surprised by Master Boney. He's been good. Um, Ryan Bolt. He had that. I mean, that center field error. That was that was really egregious. <laughs> that was tragic. But like generally, he hasn't been terrible. So. I don't know. I'm excited because, like, Master Boney I'd never heard of before. And then he's just here and he's doing well. So good for him. I don't know if he makes the roster, but it was good to see someone new get work. David Hess was also my absolutely never in a million years going to happen. I think if you <laughs> – it's spring, right? Uh, but if you allow – I think he had, what, four home runs allowed in one stint, one outing uh, early in the spring. Uh, that's a pretty good sign that you're not going to make it. He's just a great guy to have in there to maybe eat a couple of things when you don't want to use a valuable pitcher in this spring. I think that Josh Lowe, honestly, would probably be interesting, right? He's been mm-hmm. kind of a guy whose you know, time has been coming, so to speak, for a while and would probably represent you know the best of what we know in terms of defensive c- capabilities, right? If Brett Phillips is out past opening day, then he's a good guy to slot in there and mm-hmm. 
you know, play center field, maybe kick over to a corner outfield spot if you want to let Margot Roman center in a day that KK is off. Like anything's kind of possible. So I, I, I'd probably take him. But certainly some like interesting guys are still out there that weren't on the on the roster last year. Yeah, I, I was about to um, mention Josh Lowe too. I, I, I see him coming up, but I also could see him staying down for another year or them not using him and potentially going around him for another year and then and then I, I you could see him next year or you see him this year but I don't think he'll be on that opening day roster but like you said with that Brett Phillips injury it's definitely a possibility now so yeah I, I just feel like we got that outfielder depth so there's a lot I of know, replacements for, for but that's for, a really good I mean I didn't even think about the low thing because he hasn't been put on a I think from what I've seen, mm-hmm. he hasn't been put on a list yet. And nope. I mean, if they want to have another guy in the outfield for depth while Phillips is recovering, they can bring up low to start the season mm-hmm. out and use him in either just a, you know, just like a pinch hitting role or just use him as a guy who can come in as a defensive uh, replacement in later innings. Well, I didn't even think about thing, that. One thing that we're not really, I mean, Phillips, we weren't even sure if he actually had a spot on the roster. That is so, true. Because like, I mean, because Yoshi also plays outfield, and then, I mean, Lau can go out there, Wendell can go out there. We just, I mean, it was shaping up to where it was probably going to be, be between Phillips and Yoshi, unless they rework something. So, I mean, I don't even know if he's opening up a roster spot by being hurt, to be honest with you. That's true. That That's another point. I didn't even think about that. I, I mean, I hope that he makes it, just for sentimental reasons, but I don't know if he's... If, if he's, like, actually good enough just based on how he was hitting last year. I know he's a good defensive replacement, but... In spring, he was hitting well, which is why I hate to see him go down because I think he was hitting at a chance, but, like... That's a, that's a really good... I See, yeah, that's a really good point. We were always talking about, like, is Brett Phillips going to make the roster? And it was always kind of like, I don't know. So... Well, I, was, I was hopeful for it because... I, I feel like there was some sentimental thing within the franchise that they were going to keep him in there. And plus, I mean, they could use him as like, like he's a really good defensive player. Um, great, but I'm just, I'm just saying, I mean, I had a feeling that they were going to try to keep him, but at the same time, his spot was not at all guaranteed. So I, I would say personally, I gave up on believing in the Rays connection to sentimental players Mm-hmm. Uh, or oh. people a long time ago. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. Of course, you know nothing against our friends at you know at Rays Baseball, but their job would become a lot harder without <laughs> Brett Phillips. So would all of ours. But this is certainly, <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't put past the Rays to have another plan for him in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't think about that. That's a that's a that's a really really good point. So another thing I wanted to mention, I believe by this point we'll have closed the first round matchups for our Raise the Madness, March Madness bracket of the best Rays jerseys of all time. And second round, the quarterfinal matchups will be starting. Uh, Jimmy, I don't know if you got a chance to check out the bracket yet, but in your opinion, what do you think is the best Rays jersey of all time? That's tough. So I think that this is crazy. So I think that those like old, you know, 2008 era road grays, were wildly underrated like i'm strangely a big fan of gray baseball jerseys i can't explain it uh everyone I do else like that jersey. hates gray baseball jerseys i loved it i don't know why like i nothing gets you know the white or or the two shades of blue but like i kind of loved that in the ro- rotation it was pretty interesting i definitely uh, like the so gray more that, than the white I, I really yeah i i think i actually i i do personally as well uh and obviously everyone loves you know the kind of like 98 style jerseys 
Mm-hmm. I wouldn't hate like one time just for my Carl Crawford, Scott Casimir fixation to like see us do some green jerseys like one weekend or maybe like Everyone's two games loving in a, in a the green jerseys. A... I do want to see them again. Why? Like I swear, I don't I like them as much as '98. <laughs> I hate those. Jerseys. I do want to see them again. Why not pull all the jerseys so... from all the eras out? It's so cool. They're so associated with losing. But they're really pretty interesting jerseys. Yeah, you know, I will say it, the uh, the green. It's a real dichotomy. So, are we talking about like I don't want the vest to be brought back, but I'd be fine with like the full green alternates because I like the green alternates with the piping on the um uh, going down the uh, the jersey. Like I, I saw those. I, I don't know if I like the ones that were just all green without the piping, but I like the ones with the piping. I I'm... yeah, I agree. I think I think vest jerseys were always a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> They're uh, like they're, they're, those were like the turn back the clock style kind of mistake jerseys. Mm. We just kind of forget about those. <laughs> I, I'm a believer that baseball teams should use as much as their era jerseys as possible from each era and just have throwbacks all the time. Like wear your wear your never um, have normal a stuff a lot. Different jersey but, every game. I mean, no, just like once a year. Do like each of your eras, like do like a 70s era, like if your team was in the 70s and 80s and like the old ones too. Like I uh, just mix up the unis a little bit. I think that'd be cool. Just do a do a full throwback week. Like why not? Yeah. Maybe the entire MLB just does a full throwback week. I mean, that would be you'll cool. sell more jerseys. It's a it's a great business idea. And if you're the Pittsburgh Pirates and you're wearing jerseys from the 1920s or whatever, like it, it would still be fun. Yeah, like, exactly. Funny. That's a really so I, good I, I'm idea. completely in agreement. I love that. Yeah, that I mean, I know the uh what the, the Reds did something similar to that where they had like 15 different throwback jerseys that they had over the course of the 150th season, where it was just like every weekend they were like new throwback jersey. And, and I mean and that's awesome. I mean the Rays don't have that many. Yeah. I mean, it'd still be we cool. got the Fobacks though. I still like turn ahead the clock. That's that is turn a ahead jersey. the clock's pretty good. I mean, everyone hates those jerseys because futuristic, but like, I mean, they were just, they they were so perfectly terrible that I love them. Yeah, because the Rays, <laughs> it worked for the Rays because the Rays were the future team, so. that That's, maybe that's the case. I mean, I also like the um the Mariners ones. The Mariners ones look so good, even yeah. though like red doesn't work with the Mariners. Just for some reason, those jerseys looked. Incredible. Some of them were just awful though, just straight awful. Oh, oh yeah, no, some of them were terrible. The uh, the Pirates one is 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 a questionable look. So was the Phillies one. The Phillies one was a really questionable look. But the uh, the Rays one, I really like. I think it's it somehow it works because the black alternate. Everyone loves the black alternate, so it makes sense that that would work too. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. But uh, Jimmy, we have some questions for you in terms of you know your story as a Rays fan, all that stuff. So, uh, where did it start? Did you uh, did you grow up in Tampa, lifelong Rays fan? How did all of that develop? So yeah, I I am I'm from Tampa, Tampa, Florida, born and raised, and certainly like I, I remember the times when Tampa and especially the Rays were the second team in town. Like that good first beautiful ten losing seasons. It was really like a Yankees first kind of situation, at least on the Tampa side. St. Pete side might have been different, but like for a lot of people, it was like almost weird to be a Rays fan. And then 2008, you know, of course, beautiful rebrand everything. And my dad actually just so happened to buy season tickets starting that year. So if you think about like the top five games in Rays history, I was more than likely at that. So I went to, I went to the first raised postseason game against the White Sox. I went to game seven against the Red Sox in the ALCS. 
which was absurd. Probably the most absurd sporting event I've been to in my life. I was at the Coco Crisp game in Boston, literally that game. Like, I, I just had the most ludicrous 2008 of any Rays fan. And since then, it's just, you know, lifelong kind of passion. Certainly, you know, like I've been in Los Angeles for the past four years going to USC. So when they made the trip out, I went to all three games uh, because it was the only time that they were in L.A. Uh, playing against the Dodgers so you know definitely always been on always been on the train have you did you go to game 162 that is the only one that is legitimately like again if you make a top five list I'm probably <laughs> at four of the five and that's the only one that I didn't go to probably that and Matt Garza like I think those would probably be the only two top five yeah. games in race history that I didn't go to I've been to none of them so you know like, like, like the, the fact that you've been to three or four out of the five is quite damn impressive, to be honest. <laughs> it, it's, you know, you have a year like 2008, it starts to get a little, a little centralized on a year like that. But yeah, no, it, it's certainly been a fun ride watching this team. So when did things really start developing for you in terms of your fandom? Was it, was it really 08 or was it years before then when they were losing that you really started getting attached? I would say it was probably 08. I mean, I honestly, the Coco Chris game probably like really did it in for me. I didn't realize I hated people from Boston as much as I did until I was in Fenway Park that day. It was, it was a situation where you just couldn't find a person who had like, you know, rational thought or like a capacity for reason. So like, I just decided that, you know, that was it. We were mortal, mortal enemies. So like, it really, it really did start from that game. I think you go to a, a game where you're not so sure about baseball maybe you're not so sure about the team you like and then the team you like is throwing punches at another team that usually steals them i watched <laughs> i watched that red Sox uh race fight today went back watching on youtube again? pretty good yeah <laughs> i can't i mean it, like watching that game it was crazy because they both tried to throw punches and they both missed really badly like, like dude it, but navarro navarro <laughs> yes that's my guy just literally comes up and just body slams Yo, sometimes uh, you gotta sometimes you gotta do that in a time of need. You gotta have a guy that comes to the rescue and takes yeah. takes care of business. That's the yeah, most it important. Was, thing. It was a beautiful moment in race history right there. So wait, speaking of speaking of of of, of games in Boston, I want to talk about this because I don't know if I mean I've like been angry about this, but game one of the 2013 ALDS when when Will Myers somehow forgot how to outfield and Either there was like a miscommunication between him and Jennings or he got called off by someone in the bullpen from the Red Sox. What do you think happened on that play? I, I trust, again, absolutely nothing that happens in the city of Boston or at Fenway Park. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I, I think anything truly is possible. It just, I mean, between that, you know, the David Ortiz game in that 08 ALCS, I'm pretty sure uh, that was, if I'm rambling correctly, he had a walk-off homer, I'm pretty sure. That was the game that we were up, I think, like five runs or something, and they came all the way back. I don't like playing at Fenway Park ever. I hate it during the playoffs. And I think that they're their entire team, which is, you know, remember, this is a team that hired a guy who cheated, fired a guy who cheated, and hired him back within the span of about, you know, two years here. So anything is possible. I just hope that, you know, my my son and stars, Kai and Bloom, is not being indoctrinated by their terribleness. Um, I hope he's being protected. <laughs> he seems like he's doing great. He seems like he's having a fun time in Boston, at, at least for now. Like it seems like spirits are up. So I'm Bloom supremacy. We love him always. He, I didn't really know that much about him honestly until the move, and he's. I mean, honestly, he's a pretty chill dude. 
That's hilarious. Like he's just he's just vibing <laughs> in Boston, just having a good time. He loves the race. Like he still loves the race. He talked about him on that Section Ten podcast. He was defending the race. He was like, "Yeah, I'm still like best friends with all those guys. We love him." I mean, honestly, if I was in his position, I would do it too. Yeah, makes sense. So from so from all that you just talked about USC, uh, that being the University of Southern California, which we've already talked about again. That's the legit one. Uh, sorry to everyone that goes to the University of South Carolina. If you want to get angry at us, uh, just add us at Raise the Roof TB on Twitter. We will take all the criticism for it, and please follow us as well. Always <laughs> helps out. So, uh, what, when, uh, how did USC come into, uh, come into like the like, the picture for you? How did that? How did you end up deciding to want to go there? Yeah, certainly. So, I mean, just again as a note, my DMs are always open for any salty South Carolina fans <laughs> to just come in and talk about how they've never won their conference in football or they were in a state before a school before we were a state or whatever hit him up um, at race club glasses yeah hit, hit me up dm's always open but yeah i i uh went out to california you know certainly wanted to be a part of you know the great sports environment they have there and after a year of actually being a manager for the football team I had the opportunity to write both for the school newspaper as well as uh, work as barstool as a barstool sports kind of like campus ambassador essentially. Uh, so I ran their USC Twitter and Instagram pages, which is where I learned how to you know use Twitter fingers for the first time in my life, which was a really exciting exercise in angering a lot of other uh, fan bases, which I found to be a consistently valuable skill throughout my life. So <laughs> makes sense. You know. Translating that from from college football and UCLA and the Notre Dames of the world to, you know, the Red Sox and Yankees, I don't think should be too hard. It's it's a lot in a similar fight, although, you know, USC football is a bit more of a front runner than Rays baseball might be. But uh, yeah, so certainly, you know, exciting to kind of bring a bit of that, you know, spice, a bit of that edge to social media and and potentially the the blog as well. Yeah. So what were the rules like in terms of what you could and could not post on the barstool thing? Like, 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 what were the parameters of things? If I, if no I am rules. curious, yeah. I mean, I mean, was it no rules? <laughs> it, there were rules. There were rules. Um, I think reasonably speaking, the best part is that more or less everything I said there, I could probably defend within context, at least uh, mm-hmm. like to a certain degree, the account sounded like me yelling about USC football irrationally um mostly irrationally <laughs> but you know there it, it might not exactly be something that i could possibly replicate at other places uh but you know they let you they let you express yourself <laughs> <laughs> well that's a, I mean, we like expression here so how did you how did you get involved with the football team how did that go actually through a couple friends who were managers themselves it was a really interesting experience certainly being part of one of the few college team manager squads in the nation that I could tell that isn't paid was a very um I'll call it a hardening experience a harrowing experience you know it it was certainly long hours but got to work in what was almost a professional sports team kind of environment uh with USC football got to be on the sideline for games Sam Darnold came up and introduced me one time and I was like Sam Darnold I know who you are man like you're the number one prospect in NFL right or in college football right now like yeah you're Sam. Hey, nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you know, some, some of that kind of stuff, like you don't forget. Uh, and I know, you know, you with, with your band experiences, like you've definitely been in like some pretty like interesting rooms, just like kind of like cool, like yeah. <laughs> kind of spaces and settings and getting to travel like with the team and 
and you know be that part of you know a major program is definitely something that that's valuable so i i'd say that i i certainly enjoyed my time even if it was difficult <laughs> i will say being in being in maryland's band during that scandal that happened i don't really know if it was but that situation that happened in 2018 oh boy was that an experience just like when dj durkin got uh reinstated back into the program and then ended up getting fired the next day we had practice the day that he uh the day that he got rehired and he had to take a separate entrance to get out of the practice field and there were a bunch of people with tv cameras that came in just trying to find him and as soon as they saw that he went out of the other entrance they all just like took their tv cameras and started full-on sprinting towards the uh the entrance of the football stadium it was absolute chaos and just madness and i hope that never happens again because that was such a terrible experience just for everyone involved and jesus but it was it was chaotic extremely chaotic wait wait, give you questions since since you're since you're in um uh shout out to the uh to the usf herd of thunder band hot band uh what what fun things have you done in terms of places that you've been uh when it comes to football games or just anywhere on campus so uh our first bowl game was to uh birmingham alabama and then and then uh i got to go to a conference tournament in memphis tennessee memphis isn't bad for a few days but then it gets kind of you know boring nashville's a much better city in tennessee i will say that's the best city in tennessee then i go nothing against memphis though um then i go back and then i and i got to go to a bowl in my own city i had to stay in a hotel room in in tampa (laughs) Um, what and just uh, we're just trapped there oh no so you know usf they haven't really gotten to so much places but i have been there when they've gone to those places so it's it's nice it's nice being able to travel why with, couldn't with... you just stay at your apartment <laughs> it doesn't uh, make any not sense not acceptable not acceptable <laughs> i don't know <laughs> that that's so stupid that they, is this... they, they they i don't know they could have saved some money on those hotels you know but I guess they already had them, so they're like, "You're gonna be in these hotels." That is the oh my god, That's yeah, so dumb. <laughs> hey, wait, Bree, have you been to anywhere interesting on UF's campus in terms of athletics? Um, I, I don't think so, honestly. I used to work for the Bucks, though. Got some cool stuff. I'd see Jameis in the tunnels all the time. Oh, Mister Thirty for Thirty. <laughs> did you ever eat a dub? You ever eat a dub with Jameis? That's a dub. I, I didn't eat any dubs. Oh dang. That explains a lot, but. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Score update. It's now 42-46 in the second quarter with 17 minutes left. Michigan State leading. <laughs> Things are falling for now. So much for that announcer's jinx. It's actually happening, Gibby. They're <laughs> actually kind of coming back. So <laughs> he's slowly getting more nervous. We'll so see how that goes. Wait, Bray, I didn't know you worked for the box. I did in high school. <laughs> Ooh. All right. Fun times. <laughs> you want to ask? You want to ask those quick hitters, Alex? No, we don't need. Uh, no, no. I have, I have more to ask. I have more to okay, ask. Okay. So, so from the so, how is it like being a Rays fan out in LA, out in California? I mean, obviously, you were watching games significantly earlier in the day, which probably helps out when you watch those those West Coast games because they're at seven instead of at ten on the East Coast. But how was it like being a Rays fan in California when you were at USC? Well, I think the best way to start it at least right because we're seeing this with hindsight is that i for four years felt bad for dodgers fans and i don't think i'm more ashamed of anything ever than that the moment they won it all came into you know clarity and you know since they have won 
it's been ridiculous. It's like, why would I ever feel bad for this team? This is just literally the West Coast New York Yankees. Like, they deserve <laughs> no one's, no one's, like, absolutely no, no one's pretty. Oh, no, you, they, they haven't won since 1988. Well, congratulations. Like, you spend more money than God. You should probably win a championship. So, yeah, the World Series wasn't great for me, particularly. I don't think it was great for any of us, but it really wasn't great for me. It was tough kind of facing the music in a lot of ways. But uh, following that from there, I mean, it was actually pretty interesting. I mean, most games would be started and finished with by the time I got out of classes and stuff. Uh, so that was honestly, in some ways, nice. But it was definitely, you know, tough not being able to see as many games in person as I probably would have wanted to. Uh, a lot of my summer times was, you know, were spent here. But, you know, beginning and end of seasons were, were definitely out there. You know, being on pins and needles for some of those playoff games, mm. like <laughs> – those those were definitely experiences most other people didn't care uh the angels couldn't sniff the playoffs if they tried and no one really cares about them anyway uh so it's pretty much just like an nl crown but yeah it was, it was definitely interesting watching the race from from Parkway. so what were the games that you were going to was it was it more dodgers games or was it more like like i don't know how close usc is to to anaheim and, and orange county in that area but like, like, what were, you know, like if you were going to baseball games in the area, where were you going? Really just the Dodgers. Um, I only learned my senior year there that USC evidently has the most decorated college baseball team in America, but I don't think we've made a college World series in probably like 15 years, if not more. So no one went to any of those, but no, Dodger games are great. Uh, nothing against the trap. Love the trap. Hashtag save the trap. Get that trending. Um, uh, <laughs> I love going to Dodger games like Dodger Stadium like at sunset is like the most perfect picturesque like baseball experience you could possibly hope for so like going to those games were definitely fun and it, it was so low stakes like it's NL games where they're playing and probably killing the Rockies so it's like you just go there and you, you know you have a good time just enjoying baseball uh so I definitely liked to do that um and the one time that I tried to ask my friends to go to Anaheim to see an Angels game, they looked at me like I was crazy. So <laughs> no one goes to Anaheim. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I mean, Dodger Stadium, you know, there's there's worse venues to kind of live with for four years than that. That is true. How far is it away from uh, from Anaheim? Uh, USC is like a good, like, I mean, it's LA traffic too, right? So USC is probably like a good hour and a half away from Angel oh, Stadium. Oh, jeez. I was going to yeah. say, I mean, I would never pass up an opportunity to go see Mike Trout play baseball. I don't care <laughs> if the team's trash. I love me Mike Trout. <laughs> I, I always go when the Rays play the Angels because usually the tickets are pretty cheap, and then I get to see Mike Trout. So it's a win-win. It ends up being a plus for you. It's a massive yeah, the only, plus. Thing, the only thing that matches Howard Franklin Rays traffic would be anywhere in L.A. at any time of day or night <laughs> so yeah usually those were prohibitively uh lengthy you know like a good like 20 mile trip that becomes an hour and a half yeah that's n- never gonna n- never a good situation after never. game four people were running up and down 275 on the bridge <laughs> from st pete to Tampa, and it was just it was just uh dead stop traffic for like 40 minutes <laughs> wait, 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 wait did that actually happen yeah that actually happened and there's, <laughs> there's people just getting out of their cars there's people waving raised flags it was, it, that was probably <laughs> the greatest that was that was greater than being in the stadium to be honest but it, <laughs> it, it was kind of hard to get home <laughs> <laughs> i can only imagine how bad it was trying to get back that's so insane that people 
I don't know why that's so funny, but I just I can just imagine just people. Yeah, just imagine a dude road. with a race flag just <laughs> full on sprinting down two seventy five with no cars moving, and just everyone just honking their horns. That's incredible. Uh, so uh, from that, when did uh, when did race colored glasses come into the mix? Did you ever envision an opportunity where you were going to write for a race? specific website or blog and then how did the opportunity uh come into the picture for you it certainly was like kind of a, a recent concept for me so like I, I i certainly wanted to you know kind of stay active especially on like kind of you know with my writing and of course after my bar show experience i know that i have a decent amount to give uh in terms of social media flavor um but like to be able to you know talk about a team that i already talk my own friends off at times about like it, it just seemed like a pretty natural transition uh and you know with the the you know spring training in full effect and season around right around the corner and especially like a year where i feel like you know the role of like a journalist surrounding this team is going to be like pretty valuable because it's constantly confusing but this year could be like a new high even for this team and i think that we're just going to see a lot of really interesting stuff uh so i think to be a part of that would would definitely be you know an awesome opportunity so I, I jumped on it as as quickly as I could I knew that race code glasses had kind of you know not been the single most active race community uh on the internet in recent years so hopefully I can do my best to turn that around so what were your parameters in terms of so when you when you first got when when you first were were welcomed onto the fan side of team what did they tell you um in in terms of what you were expected to do with the site Sure. Uh, I mean, it, it's similar, honestly, in some ways to the Barnstall experience. It's about, you know, kind of you get out what you put in kind of situation. I think that can really apply to anything almost that you do in life. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's like very much dictated by like you will kind of see the results, you know, if you're willing to put in the time, if you're willing to put in the effort, if you're willing to stay active, if you're passionate about something like it makes other people passionate about it. Right. Like it's kind of just that simple. Um, so certainly that's like kind of a main heading for me. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense for sure. Uh, and then I guess the last thing before quick hitters is what have you enjoyed so, so far about the experience of everything? Because I know, obviously, you know, you know, the Twitter has been very active, uh, recently you've been doing a lot of stuff in terms of, um, retweeting video or like, um, you know, you know, having videos and tweets and, and, um, you know, you know game recaps, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I mean, like one of the most gratifying things that I, I did at, at USC was just kind of see something take off almost out of nowhere. Uh, the, the past people who had run the USC accounts at Barstool were <laughs> not particularly talented. Um, it was in, in some ways almost in shambles when I picked that up. So, you know, kind of starting something for nothing, making it, you know, sound like something you would legitimately, you know, put your name behind like something that sounds like it's in your, in your voice and kind of in your style. Like that's definitely like gratifying. And, you know, over time, like people certainly like latch onto it. So, you know, that's something that like I'm looking forward to uh, whether it's on the site or on the Twitter or, or, you know, elsewhere. Like I love kind of just being in the middle of conversation. Like that's, that's a sweet spot. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we have our quick hitters to end this. So we asked this to everyone who is your past present and all time favorite race player. Okay. Wow, this is difficult. It really kind of 
This I was not prepared for. <laughs> trust me, trust me. We can throw some people off guard. And also, um, I will say the past and and all time can be the same thing because I know that I know that some people will categorize this as the same thing, but I know that also some people just have like specific guys from from past race years that they're just like, I love that guy specifically, but he's not like my favorite player. <laughs> Here's what I'm thinking. I, I'm thinking I'll go like something like a like you know how the NFL MVP he can be an offensive player, but he won't be offensive player of the year. Yeah. Uh, or mm. you can be the greatest pitcher of all time and you won't win MVP. Yeah. Uh, I think I'll go with, of the past, I would probably go with BJ Upton. Ooh. Uh, because like every single reason, I don't care how much other people would, you know, get on him for, you know, maybe not showing the most amount of effort ever. But, like, I swear there is no one who looks more beautiful playing the game of baseball at the highest level than B.J. Upton. Like, also legitimately, I don't – he just is the coolest guy. Like, everything yeah. he does when it's successful is the coolest thing in the world. Like, I would legitimately put him, like, mashing home run, like, right up there with Ken Griffey, like, Barry Bonds. Like, anyone with that kind of sweet swing, like, he had that, like, in spades. So I go with him for the past. I'll go with uh, – this. Uh, I really, I love, I, I love G man, right? Like, how can you? Not love okay, G-Man? yeah, that's why I said too. That's a good pick. That's yeah. a good. How pick. can you not love G man? You know, I, I would, I was thinking maybe Andy because he's just like a walking contradiction that a guy that big <laughs> could basically produce solely from walking, um, <laughs> and and suddenly now you know be making web gems, uh, web gem plays out at third base when he probably should be a DH. Uh, nothing about him makes sense, but. G-Man Troy is just, he's like literally everything right with this franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, he might be the most raised player of all time. Um, Honestly, and then I'd, I'd say probably my all-time, <laughs> I'd say probably my all-time favorite is probably Carl Crawford. Um, I know it's, it's a controversial snub of Evan Longoria. It's a very intentional snub. He really didn't seem to, you know, show the love as Mr. Franchise. Like he was really not taking the whole trade to San Francisco, uh, entirely gracefully he's kind I'm of come back the only one who he's like, that. thank goodness he says yeah i i was very angry about i no one's done for this franchise what evan longoria has done and in some ways you can track him and like his rise with this team as us becoming relevant but i don't know he you could do a little bit more to you know maybe retain your status on top so i would I'd say call Crawford. just you know a, an absolute consummate all-star basically every single time he stepped onto the field for this team and i think in terms of like legitimate legitimate consistent output there's just not really like anyone in comparison so i don't know i like that that's a good pick all right next one so you've been to the trap plenty of times obviously the trap gets quite a bad rep from people do you think that it's do you well a do you think that it's deserved and b what's your favorite amenity part of the trap so as someone with some credit to speak on it because i've been to 28 of the current 30 stadiums minus atlanta and texas by the way like those aren't even far i don't know what i'm doing i just haven't been to them um but uh first of all the ray stadium just simply like the trop is not that bad like can we're biased but can we have an honest conversation about that being 29th in the league it's not as bad as oakland oakland is the worst stadium in the league being 29th in the league Right, it's it's not that bad. If you, I, I, I would say it once. I'll say it a million times. We put that stadium in Tampa. We're selling like the Lightning do. I'm not even kidding. Exactly. Um, oh my god. 
it's it's it's, it's not even phone. a debate. But <laughs> but my favorite part of the Rays stadium when I started going to games, it was the like pitching machine, like little carnival area. There used to be like a full on carnival area. I don't think it's like that anymore. Now I would just loop it in as one big thing of when you buy a Rays ticket, you can sit anywhere you want to in the stadium. That's my favorite thing about going to the Rays games. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one hundred percent true. I like that. So we've been asking people about Wander. Obviously, we all want him to come up at some point this season. Do you think he will? And if he does, when? I think he will. I think he will. I think he should come up next year. Is that crazy to say? Is that I blasphemous? I agree. No, I no, it's he, not crazy. I think he should come up next year. And usually, when there's something that you should do, the Rays end up doing it. So I, I think it's quite possible he comes up this year, but I think he should. And if I wanted to bet, I would probably say he would come up next year. Now, what if, what if we're in a playoff chase and we got some injuries yeah. and we really need that guy? Do you think <laughs> they bring him up? If we need him, he'll come up. I, but... Yeah, true. Assuming he plays – in what I have to assume would probably be mostly double A this year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at the level that he was a couple years ago during minor league ball. Sure. I, I, I could definitely see that. I mean, we had enough guys who kind of came up and played almost their first ball, if not literally their first ball in the postseason this year. So it's possible. I don't know. Yeah. If, That's a weird spin zone, but <laughs> I, I see. Yeah. Like he he's like, come, it's he's a like responsible thing to keep bringing him up next year, but. He's basically Captain Marvel. He'll just come up when you when you need him to come up and just do his thing, mm-hmm. and then he'll leave. <laughs> We're giving Taylor Walls enough credit. If we did not have Wander Franco, I think we'd all be really excited about Taylor Walls. True. That is true. That is true. We 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 do stand Taylor Walls on this podcast, but I mean, I mean, Wander's just a, like like there's Taylor Walls and then there's Wander. Wander's yeah, like a yeah. whole different. It's animal. just the hype. It's just being the number one prospect. It just it just comes with it. That's true. Taylor Wall's number one prospect in our hearts. Is that is that a good is that a good uh is that a good? Um, Josh Lowe's my favorite, but we know. Well, that. yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, and then the last thing. So, 2021 season. Uh, you don't have to give a specific record prediction, but what are you thinking about for the Rays? 94 wins. That's the one. That's the one that kind of jumps off. Yeah, like He's smashing think, the over. About, yeah, I I would definitely. I mean, it, like the Vegas over, it has it's, to be higher than what Fangraphs has. I say it's right? like eighty six. Um, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Vegas has this at like eighty six and a half, which just seems really low. Yeah, I feed off of all this unnecessary hype for the Blue Jays, and especially the unnecessary hype for the Red Sox. Uh, the amount of people who dare to put this team as far as fourth in the division is unbelievable. Um, and I, it just, it, it gives me life seeing teams like the in, like, sorry, the Cleveland baseball team, uh, being thrown in the contention for like the wild card or a team like the angels finally finding a way to put it together this year. Oh, they've, they've really found, uh, I couldn't even actually name it a, a pitcher they've added this off season to exactly. seal up their, uh, like, like I'm, I'm just, That's it. <laughs> oh, and sluggers. Oh, is it Quintana? Oh, sluggers. We'll find it. Aaron Slagers, Aaron Slagers, okay, let me rephrase. Aaron Slagers, of course, will be the first uh, reliever to win a Cy Young uh, in about 40 (laughs) years. 
um, <laughs> as he leads the Angels to the playoffs. But that's just one wild card spot, right? Um, no. Yeah, there's I, so I many mean, more. I mean, I would say one more. <laughs> Wait, they can't just be a like, National League team. That's not how it works. <laughs> I, no, I'm saying there's so many more base. There's so many more uh, spots open. I mean, that's I thought you were just saying they're just gonna switch over to the National League because no, no, why no, not no. just take a wild card spot? <laughs> I think we should if we have Brendan McKay. You know, we might have to switch over. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if two league teams are available, then sure. <laughs> if they if they if they switch to that in 2020 2021 then sure good old joke no i like i like i like beating the yankees so yeah so 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 94 wins do you have them winning the division or do you have them as um as a wild card team i'm i'm fine with us going back to being a wild card team next year you know i'll let the yankees you know glaber please trolls uh on twitter <laughs> <laughs> Try and say whatever they want to about you know Mickey Mouse playoff runs and Mickey Mouse. Uh, what was it? I, what wasn't it? I, I believe something. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was like a nine and three record in the regular season last year, plus you know a casual ALDS victory. I'll let them say what they will. They can take the division. I don't care. Uh, it all matters about what happens. Mike Brasso owns your poverty franchise. How about <laughs> yeah, that? Yeah, I, I don't have that much concern about about that. Your man owns your ace. So. That is true. That is true. G-Man is Garrett Cole's father. This is this is a confirmed statement. I literally looked it up. He's got, I think he's tied with someone else for like like the best statistics of literally any player off of Garrett Cole in his career, which is mind-boggling. There's a lot of raised sons on, on the Yankees. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of I weird. I don't even know. But Jimmy, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. If where can people find you and raise colored glasses on social media? Raise colored glasses at raise color glasses on Twitter. Uh, you can find me Jimmy Goodman USC on Twitter as well. All right. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much for coming on. We really, really appreciate the time. Uh, everyone, make sure that you follow Jimmy and Ray's Colored Glasses on all their social media accounts. And for us, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Raise the Roof, again, is just going all over the place. Twitter, Raise the Roof TV. Instagram, Raise the Roof TV. Twitch, Raise the Roof TV. Uh, let, 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 let me think here. TikTok, Raise the Roof TV. YouTube, just Raise the Roof uh, and then we have our two podcasts going on. We have the website, raisetheroofTV.com. If you guys have any comments, questions, concerns, anything about what we're doing, make sure to email us uh, at our Gmail account, raisetheroofTV at gmail.com. And for this podcast specifically, we're, I mean, wherever you're listening to this podcast, congrats, you found us. So wherever podcasts you know, can be found, wherever you listen to them, we're probably there. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and spotify among others so make sure to subscribe share this with your friends leave us a review like all that good stuff so from all of us stay safe stay healthy please wear a mask and raise up raise up baby